you know where you're going. But what you find? Well, that, that's up to you. This week on Download This Show, it is the app that has somehow managed to return whimsy, magic and, dare I say, even a bit of joy to a very dark-seeming internet. Plus, why wear a fitness band around your wrist when you can wear a um, fitness ring? That's a thing now. And it is arguably television's biggest mystery because no one, at least for the last few days, knows how many people are actually watching Australian television. Why is that? Well, you are about to find out. This is your guide to the week in media, technology and culture. My name is Mark Fennell and welcome to Download This Show. Yes, indeed, it is a brand new episode of Download This Show, and he is an editor with Information Security Media Group, which really does, Jeremy Kirk, make you sound like something of a spy. Can you confirm or deny, or is this going to be one of those things that, like, you kill me if you tell me? Definitely not a spy. Oh. <laughs> it's, like, it's, like, oh, it's so boring. Oh. Really. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> it's good to have you on the show, uh, albeit remotely. Uh, we did have another guest booked in uh, today, but she had to pull out at the last minute. So I do want to give a massive round of applause to the gallant Seamus Byrne, the host of Biteside. Thank you for joining us at such short notice. I want you to know we, we appreciate it eternally. Very welcome. And so, you know, if I sound like I'm making it up as I go along, it's because I am. That just puts you on par with uh, me now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it was a particularly bad week if you happen to work in information security uh, because there's two, let's call them security attacks that have happened in the last week. And we're going to take them one by one. The first one I want to start off with is um, there's been no television ratings for well over a week at this point, Seamus. What's happened? Yeah, they basically at first... All that was said by uh, Oztam, which is the ratings uh, agency, to, there was a bit of an, uh, a bit of a problem. Uh, with uh, the the data systems uh, and therefore uh, their uh, real-time sort of information uh, around ratings wasn't going to be released as usual uh, and then another day passed and then another day passed and then it came out that, uh, in fact, they had been hit by a ransomware attack. Now, not Oztam directly, but its data partner, Nielsen. Uh, and, you know, Nielsen's a massive global company, so, you know, it's like not the kind of thing that you always expect is going to happen in this sort of case. But yeah, it's turned out that their systems were essentially uh, locked out um, by this ransomware attack, which essentially is the kind of thing that says, uh, you need to pay us some money. Usually they ask for Bitcoin. Uh, and in exchange for that, we'll unlock your data systems so you can go back to work. And uh, yeah, clearly it's caused a major, major drama for the rating system. Jeremy, when stuff like this happens, what are the, how serious is the discussion to ever pay? That's a really interesting question. So when cyber ransomware has been around since the 80s and then about a decade ago, you know, they started hitting consumer machines and then the ransomware operators decided it would be better to hit big companies because they have the pockets to pay. So there's always been this discussion of, of should you pay? Well, no, you shouldn't pay because that encourages the attacks. And that was the advice that the FBI gave for several years was don't pay because this simply encourages cyber criminals. But now that view is actually changing. And so there have been several universities and hospitals 
and other entities that have paid the ransom. And now cyber insurance companies, so you can take out cyber insurance, which insures you against certain types of cyber attacks. Cyber insurance might cover you to pay the ransom. And the reason why some organizations are paying the ransom is because sometimes it's cheaper to simply pay the ransom than to actually endure of paying the cost of trying to restore the systems. So that's why we're seeing a lot of this is because some organizations will actually pay. And, you know, a lot of entities are just kind of resigned to going, oh, look, you know, especially things like healthcare, um, things that have a lot of budget pressures of like, look, we could pay $40,000 and get the decryption key back, or we could spend $100,000 in five to six weeks trying to restore the systems. So unfortunately, because there is that monetary incentive, this isn't going to go away anytime soon. Seamus, this does really feel like possibly one of the worst weeks of the year that uh, ratings, television ratings could have been taken down. Because not only did you have some major finales of the big commercial reality shows, but there's also some big launches that have happened like um, uh, Australian Ninja Warrior, Farmer Wants a Wife, which, I mean, I know that you're a huge fan of, but those are big shows that, you know, have a lot riding on them. Is there a sense that maybe this was timed for that purpose or is that, or am I reaching for conspiracies too much, Seamus? I'm laughing because actually our household is a bit of a farmer wants a wife household. I, I, I have to admit that. So, but hey, we've been we've been. Now I just want to do it. a whole like farmer wants a wife special with you. <laughs> <laughs> That's our next episode together. That's all we're gonna do. <laughs> Um, it's definitely reaching to think they might have targeted this specific week because, again, when you think about this, it's more that it's, you know, a big part of these sorts of attacks is really about just kind of looking for opportunity um, and it's not necessarily about sort of what would be the worst time to hit. They do sometimes target things like long weekends, different kinds of timings, and that did recently happen here in Australia for one of the uh, the big beer companies. And so they will target more of those kinds of times when there is a weakness in the security systems or in procedures, the kinds of moments when that sort of you know, door widens on being able to actually get in and then actually effectively take something over. But this year in particular, there's absolutely been a, a massive increase. Uh, I know I spoke to someone from a group called the CTI League uh, earlier in the year, which is actually you know a collection of you know white hat hackers essentially, but people who work in the security industry uh, that have been constantly sort of um, always kind of around this stuff, but they realize there was a massive increase in attacks on healthcare institutions, uh, medical institutions all across the world during this kind of COVID period. And so they essentially created this, this collective to actually help to defend those groups proactively. Um, and so when talking to them, they've said there has been a huge spike in the number of attacks that because so many people aren't working in the normal working arrangements, people are outside of their normal office environment, which is where security is typically hardened to a kind of greater extent. It's definitely meant that we're seeing more of these attacks get results partly because the increase in attacks, knowing that there's more opportunity out there right now. Okay, so television ratings were one arena that was attacked this week, but actually uh, Ben, shout-outs to Ben, listener on Twitter who uh, tagged me in this. Uh, Garmin, the smartwatch company, was also attacked this week. Jeremy, what happened? 
Yeah, absolutely. So Garmin hasn't actually confirmed that it's ransomware, but apparently there were some employees who did tweet that it was ransomware. So the Connect app, you know, which is used for fitness, went down. So it means that it's not syncing with Garmin's central server. So you can record data locally on your device, and you're just going to have to wait to upload it. So Garmin says it's slowly bringing its services back online, but it clearly, you know, had a big impact. Um, and it's kind of unclear exactly when their services will be completely restored. But again, it's an example of like a really large company that you think would be potentially immune to these sorts of things being victimized by it. We're also talking about something that is essentially your health data as well. I mean, granted, not the most invasive kind of health data, Jeremy, but still something that is quite personal in some ways to people. Yeah, absolutely. And that's an important thing to keep in mind with this ransomware stuff, because the fact that these attackers have been able to get malicious software on a company's systems, sometimes these attacks take a really sort of other other angle, too. So, for instance, like if they've already penetrated a company's systems, that means they could have taken the data out of the systems, then, you know, let the ransomware fly and then hold the company to, you know, double extortion. So we're going to charge you for the decryption key. And oh, by the way, we've stolen all your data as well. And it's a bunch of uh, personally identifiable information that's going to get you in trouble with the regulators. So they can kind of do a double hit, too. And as you know, we've seen the example in Australia. So earlier this year, Toll Group was hit twice by ransomware. It's the shipping company, so right? That's the shipping company. So they fixed it one time. And then several weeks later, they were hit again. So it, it just goes to show like how vulnerable companies are. And really, it just takes a wayward employee clicking on an email and running ransomware for it to all happen over again. So that's partially why it's so difficult to defend against. Jeremy, is it just me or are we getting more of these attacks or are they just being reported more widely? The interesting thing about ransomware is that it's it, it ends up becoming public because when you have like a healthcare institution or a university and nobody can do anything, like they can send an email, uh, the organization itself can't answer a phone, it often teases out the real cause. So in comparison to other kinds of cyber attacks where attackers are just kind of seeking to get data, like the company that's attacked may not even know it's been attacked and it may not even become public if they're not interested in, in extorting the company or doing anything else. So ransomware bubbles to the surface in a way that other attacks don't. And that's why we're hearing about it more and more too, because people are going, why, why aren't you answering my email? Why aren't you answering my phone call? And the, you know, employees like us with the Garmin employees start tweeting or somebody sends out a screenshot that shows the encryptor screen. That's, you know, that's essentially like the, the Bitcoin demand. Um, and then it then the press picks up on it. Seamus, would you, is there anything you'd like to change about the way these companies have handled these particular incidences? It's, it's really hard because I think there is always that, you know, there but for the grace of God type feeling for lots of other companies that you can do a lot more these days when it comes to kind of protecting, particularly user access. Um, you know, I think, but again, it's always kind of based on these assumptions, right? It's hard to know what was the vector of attack that got them through. Um, but, you know, I've heard stories about how like at Google, for instance, that now every user within uh, Google as a company uses physical tokens as part of their multi-factor authentication. And, and they have not had any 
internal staff accounts hacked since they moved to that kind of a system. So like there's so many different ways that people can kind of elevate the way in which they're running their authentication systems. It's also really hard to do that on the fly when people had to just send everybody home instantly, you know, a few months ago. So um, there's lots of these sorts of factors where people might not have been ready for an, a security environment where people had to be able to access any device from any location. Um, and so instead they're kind of, again, these sort of opportunities are there. I guess part of it is that idea of needing to really now get on top of it. If you aren't one of these companies that's been hit, needing to know that you can't just assume it's never gonna to happen to you. And if that means really looking deeply into upgrading security tech in your company so that there is better authentication for users outside of the office, then that's something people should be trying to do. Download this show is what you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology, and culture. We have Jeremy Kirk, an editor with Information Security Media Group, and Seamus Byrne, the editor and host of Byteside. Mark Fennell is my name, and it has been called the app of the summer by people that have had a mid-year summer. Uh, but it is something that's attracted an enormous amount of attention in a relatively short period of time. It only launched a few months ago to enormous amount of online debate. No, I'm not talking about TikTok. This is the first time in weeks I haven't directly talked about TikTok. I'm talking about something called Rando Nautica. Did I even pronounce that right, Jeremy? I believe you did. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is Sounds this good. thing? Well, I downloaded it and it's a very interesting <laughs> app. It's not much to look at, frankly. So what it does is once you install it, it generates like random coordinates on a map. And it says it uses like a quantum random number generator to do this. And then it kind of asks you to select an intent and, and think about something that you want to find or seek out. And then after you've done that, it pops up a map coordinate and it shows you on a map where it is. And you go there and you see what's there. And then after you've found whatever it is you've, been seeking, um, you can write a report and that report goes on Reddit. And it's kind of mystical and weird, but people have had really great experiences with this. Like for instance, there was a, a, there was a, I think it was a woman on Reddit who wanted to find something happy but creepy. So she generated the coordinates thinking about happy and creepy. And then it led her out to this field where there was a deflated balloon that said happy birthday on it. And so she found the sign <laughs> that she was looking for. So a lot of people have had these really amazing kind of experiences. Like it's sort of like, I guess, seeking maybe sort of serendipity. I, I'll give you another example. <laughs> Uh, so it's not getting any less weird now, is it? So somebody went out and wanted to find something dead. And so once they generated the coordinates, they went out and they found a dead fish. So, yeah. Okay, I'm going to repeat this back to you. <laughs> and you're going to tell me which bits I get wrong. It automatically generates coordinates. You mm -hmm. go there and you find what you want and then you post it. Sorry, What? Is maybe you find what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah. It just, That's what it is. <laughs> I'm, so, I, I'm very comfortable admitting that this confuses me no end, Seamus. Why, why has this taken off? Mark, what do you need in your life right now? What do you need? <laughs> Somebody Think to explain it. to me randonauting. That's what <laughs> <Yeah>. I need. <laughs> well, maybe you'll find the answer at the coordinates that you'll be given within <laughs> Randonautica. You have a really <laughs> relaxing voice sometimes when you try. Have I ever told you that? Yeah, I, I need to try this more often, yeah. Um, you consider look, doing a I meditation app. 
<laughs> um, I I love this idea because like what I love is that you know we've already had things like geocaching, yeah, you know, which is just that kind of fun idea where people will hide something out in you know the wilds and they'll leave GPS coordinates and other people who participate in that kind of thing can go find it and then they'll like add you know they'll add their name to a note or they'll you know swap something that was left behind. Yeah, people might leave stickers or different things, um, and it's kind of a fun idea. I love that this is sort of playing with the kind of randomized version of that idea. But I also love this kind of, you know, pseudo mysticism sort of vibe that's attached to it. Like even that idea of using an Australian National University quantum random number generator. I mean, your phone does a perfectly serviceable job of, of generating random numbers, but they've kind of elevated that idea of the random number to make it feel like that number is coming to you from like somewhere in the universe. Yeah, I kind of really love that they're playing with that idea and even that, you know, think about something you're looking for. And it, I mean, people absolutely feel like they need something that feels like it's giving them a really good uh, reason to not just kind of leave the house, I guess, but to kind of have a sense of purpose at the moment when you're playing with this sort of stuff. And I guess particularly in the States where they've had sort of, you know, much more difficult lockdowns than we've had to have, you know, sort of say Victoria. Yes. But it's like there's so many different kinds of things that have been there and it is their summer. And so it has been harder for people to really engage with that idea of normally we'd be out and having barbecues and parties and this is kind of a really difficult time. This really does sort of give people a sense of purpose with that idea of, okay, today I'm going for a walk. I'm going to find a random place to visit and it means you're doing something out of the ordinary. I mean, Jeremy used the word serendipity earlier, and I think it's absolutely right that we kind of need more serendipity in our lives in general, even mm. if that means you use, you know, random Nordica to just give you a random reason to go somewhere. Um, I think that's so much better than just that kind of standard doom scrolling that people kind of do on their phones, just kind of constantly looking at Facebook or Twitter or whatever it might be, that this is something that just gives you something tangible to go and do that you would never have thought to do if you didn't use this. Jeremy, how is it? it makes you, yeah, I, I think it makes you go out and appreciate the small things in the world, you know, and a lot of people have been like somebody else. Here's another example. Somebody went out and, and they were thinking about a magical object. And they ended up going out and finding this absolutely amazing oak tree that they never knew was there. And they, they posted a photo on, of it on Reddit. And it, it was amazing. And so maybe it's kind of like just kind of highlighting these small things that, especially in these times that we've, been, we've had a really stressful year. So maybe this is something that it makes us go out and appreciate the, the, the smaller things and to see a little bit of hope and happiness. How is it that it's taken off? Like, is there a vector at which people are sharing their discoveries? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the reports that people post on on Reddit, and then also I think a lot of people on TikTok have Damn used it. it which I thought we were going to go through a whole episode without talking about TikTok. I, I didn't want to mention was TikTok because Mark, I knew Mark. I, I knew TikTok <laughs> was going to come into Damn this. It. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I think it's just kind of caught on, sort of, sort of virally. But it, I think what is amazing is that it's it's not a very sort of. I mean, it crashed several times for me. I was going to go out this weekend and try to find something. Uh, uh, magical, not creepy, uh, but it was bucketing down rain up here on the coast, so I couldn't do it. Hey, rain Rain would have been magical about six months ago. All right, download yeah. this show is the name of the program that you're listening to. It is your guide to the week in media, technology, and culture. Mark Fennell is my name. Uh, Jeremy Kirk with Information Security Media Group and Seamus Byrne from Byteside are my guests this week. And can a ring 
make you healthier. That is the claim of Aura. Aura? I'm going to run with Aura because I get the feeling that, you know, it's just that that domain was already taken and (laughs) they had to pick a different random name. What is it? Um, (laughs) So it is um, basically a, a health tracking type device, but it isn't really tracking the usual metrics that people might think about. So it's trying to give you a much kind of more... Uh, like top line's the wrong word for it, but it's 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 just trying to be, by being a ring, it's just monitoring things like temperature and heart rate and just a few sort of really kind of basic signals. It's essence um, of health. It's Yeah, it's a pretty broad kind of essence of health vibe. Um, because, of course, you know, to get really good metrics from other things, you do need something sort of a little more robust. And, who you know, they, part of the company's mission might even be that they know that a few versions down the track, they might be able to nail that within a ring. So I think they're really trying to embrace that idea of it's a subtle wearable rather than being, you know, a big chunky wristband, whatever it might be. I mean, it's a chunky ring. Um, so, you know, it's not that it's the, the slimmest, most kind of, you know, elegant ring you've ever seen, but it, it looks like a serviceable piece of jewelry. Um, But I think what's clever about this is it's that idea of trying to make it easy to just leave this thing on to get essentially about a week's worth of data without really thinking about it. It's not even designed to kind of give you alerts or buzz at you or anything directly. It's just feeding that data through to an app um, so that you can then kind of check in on things that way. Right. Is Just as a user, Jeremy, would you be more comfortable with a wristband and obviously we know there are a dozen watches out there or a chunky ring oh i don't know about that i'm not really big into any of that but <laughs> i think that the thing with like the just ring, like wearing things in general or? it, it is <laughs> i'm on videos <laughs> um I think like wearing rings is, it's really unobtrusive. And I think uh, Seamus kind of hit it on the head here too, is that this is really unobtrusive. Like it's not a watch, it's not a chunky thing. It's a very slim thing. So I think it kind of points to the future of wearables becoming even more unobtrusive and also providing more utility as well. the NBA has issued this ring to its players. It's not mandating that its players actually use it, but it, the NBA is is advocating that its players wear it so the coaches can see health data. And all this is, it's also kind of positioned as something that could possibly detect maybe sort of pre-symptoms of COVID-19. Although, um, I, I mean, that is so, somewhat kind of kind of shaky, but um, New York Magazine asked several health experts, uh, you know, what does this ring kind of bring to to sort of doctors? And so when you go into your doctor, if they take your temperature, you know, that is kind of like that point in time. But if you have like a record of data over the past week that shows uh, certain kind of trends and perhaps heart rate and and temperature, then your doctor might be able to get a, a little bit better picture of kind of like your general health and maybe that how that compares to another sort of baseline. So so there is like some there is legitimate medical utility to this, although you know most experts would caution that you know you, you shouldn't rely on any of these things to to necessarily you know diagnose yourself as as having something or not having something. Yeah, I mean it's worth pointing out. I've seen a few reports of it uh, suggesting that it, it notes the relationship in things like menstrual cycles in the app metrics, but it doesn't actually know to identify them. And so I guess one of the things I'm sort of struggling with this as a product is. It seems the 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 information it delivers you, Seamus, is quite non-specific. Like I take the idea that constantly measuring a person's temperature may, in fact, give you an indication of you know if they've they've got a you know 
a temperature later down the track. I get the logic of that, but is, do we get to a point where the data it produces is so vague and like unclassified that it kind of becomes a bit pointless? Yes, we, we kind of do. <laughs> I, I feel like this is one of those kinds of version one products where I'm not sure it's going to work out for this company. Uh, it feels like it, it, this company and this product shows we're getting close um, because, again, we've moved from really chunky watches to kind of smaller watches to watches that are able to to pick up more and more data. Um, all these kinds of wearables, you know, we've we've got this ring now, but it just feels like we are stopping short on how, you know, how accurate and how clear the kind of data that something this small is able to deliver. And I feel like, yeah, you know, later this decade, there'll probably be a version of this kind of product, if not from this company, that will suddenly be able to do really quite clear metrics related to this sort of information. Um, and I, I've always kind of been fascinated by that whole, they call it the quantified self sort of movement where you, you track so much more of your personal data that it does give you a better picture of what is your base line so that then you can understand how that's shifting and even for you know for things like someone who doesn't get enough sleep suddenly being able to get a bit more feedback on that idea of of here's the way in which your kind of baseline health data was better on the days when you finally actually slept an appropriate amount of sleep um, it's the kind of feedback that can help a lot of people to kind of realign you know looking after themselves a lot better yeah, absolutely. I mean, if it, yeah, it would be a reminder of, of maybe the things you need to improve on. So if you have an app that's saying like you've had only, you know, five hours and 38 minutes of sleep and maybe, you know, you're not getting enough sleep, but maybe maybe you need to see that kind of like in a number in a, in a figure to go, OK, right. I really need to improve my sleep or I really need to get out and walk more steps because we all know anybody who has a step counter, if they're at nine thousand eight hundred steps, you can bet that they're going to go to ten thousand because they want to hit that hit mm. that metric. So I think it also has a, a very positive thing of reinforcing positive habits um, that pe that people should be doing for their health. Why is it, Seamus, that you think the NBA was convinced of its value? Um, <laughs> that is a really good question. I, Apart I from, do, like, potentially money change hands. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, and particularly in an environment where, um, yeah, look, I'm, I'm actually at a bit of a loss because I feel like the NBA is an environment where people actually do wear, you know, you could have like a big sweatband on your wrist that could be set up to give far more useful information. Um, I think one of the things that they were probably sold on was that idea that they were going into this whole NBA bubble to try to, you know, continue the season um, in a way that would sort of, you know, let them keep playing and do their best to avoid, um, you know, catching coronavirus. Um, and I think what we've kind of seen is that pitch from this product that is trying to say it might be able to detect an early rise in temperature that would mean someone would know to get sort of tested really quickly um, in that environment where they're really, really kind of worried about what might go wrong. And even, you know, I mean, the uh, the baseball in America literally on its opening weekend has had an outbreak because of the path they've chosen to go. Um, so that kind of whole idea of, you know, millions and millions of dollars attached to sport, any edge they feel like they can get to make sure they get to keep playing is probably one they're happy to take. What do you reckon, Jeremy? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think, you know, you only have to look as far as COVID safe here. You know, the government put a lot of faith in the app to stop the, you know, to try and stop the spread. So and I think that these are all solutions that are, you know, they're very early stage, you know, and they're going to have to be worked on. But eventually they may be refined and they may be very useful. All right. Well, we'll just have to wait and see. Hey, uh, Jeremy Kirk, editor with Information Security Media Group. Just rolls off the tongue, doesn't it? Um, thank you so much for coming back on Download the Show. Thanks for having me, Mark. Uh, and Seamus Byrne, editor and host of Side. thank you for coming back on particularly short notice. We really appreciate it. You're welcome. Okay, so that's just that creepy. Again. That's just creepy now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, if you enjoyed the show, uh, I know I say this every week, but I mean it with great intensity of soul here when I say, please review the show on whichever podcasting app you happen to encounter us on. It helps other people find the show. I hope you really felt the emotion behind that one. Uh, and with that, I shall leave you. My name has been Mark Fennell, and thank you for listening to another episode of Download This Show. Download This Show.